0: He was only 16. His father died. And he became. One of the most powerful kings of Judah. A righteous man. His mother's name meant. God will enable. His name meant strength with God. He did what was right in the eyes of the Lord. Zechariah was his teacher. Now. God helped this king against the Philistines, the Ammonites, the Arabs. His fame spread across the world. Even in Egypt, they recognized him as a mighty king with a huge standing army ready to go, well equipped with the latest implements of war. Now as Uzziah became more and more powerful. As he built towers at the corners of the walls of Jerusalem that could hurl large arrows and huge stones at the enemy if they were to come against his city. As his name was spread throughout the world, he began to grow proud in his heart. This king reigned for fifty-two years, one of the longest reigning kings in Judah. In Second Chronicles, the twenty-sixth chapter, But after Uzziah became powerful, his pride led to his downfall. He was unfaithful to the Lord. He entered the temple of the Lord to burn incense on the altar of incense. Azariah, the priest, with 80 other courageous priests of the Lord, followed him in. They confronted him and they said, It's not right for you, Uzziah, to burn incense to the Lord. That is for the priests, the descendants of Aaron, who have been consecrated to burn incense. Leave the sanctuary, for you have been unfaithful and you will not be honored by God. Uzziah was standing there with a censer ready to burn incense at the altar of burnt incense and when he was confronted by the 80 priests he began to rage at them to yell and scream at them he was so angry that they would deny him the the right to be a priest king Suddenly, Azariah the chief priest and all the others looked at the king and they see leprosy breaking out on his forehead. They hurried him out. Indeed, he himself was eager to leave because the Lord had afflicted him. King Uzziah had leprosy until the day he died. He had to live in a separate house He was leprous, therefore he was excluded from the temple of the Lord. He never entered it again. He had leprosy. Unclean. Why? Because he dared to take the position or touch the holy position of the foreshadowing of Jesus Christ. Jesus alone is our priest-king. He dared to reach out his hand and in his pride and arrogance touch that. He had no self-consciousness. His heart was filled with defensive pride. He was not willing to continue walking humbly with his God And so for the next ten years until he died, was a leper, the unclean of the unclean, shut away in a house, unable to rule in his kingdom. His son had to take his place as the ruler, even though he wasn't yet the king. And it was ten years like this until he died. I'm astonished at the hardness of Uzziah's heart that he would not repent. He refused to repent. Had he repented, I'm sure he could have been forgiven. He had lived a righteous life. He had taken incredibly good care of God's land and God's people. But he lifted himself up and struck touched that which was holy in his pride. Now, we find in Isaiah, the sixth chapter, this very terse note. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord seated on a throne high and exalted. Why is that note there? Simply because judgment had come upon King Uzziah, and it had come because of his pride, his refusal to repent, his stubbornness in claiming that he had the right to that position of priest and king. The priests were right. They had been dedicated as the sons of Aaron. There was a division between kingship and priesthood. Now we're going to see even more deeply into this. The year that he died, Isaiah goes to the temple, he has been to the temple countless times. And never before had he seen or confronted or had to deal with this day's appearance of God. It is one of the clearest descriptions of the mighty holy God in the Old Testament. He says, I saw the Lord seated on a throne, high and exalted and the train of his robe filled the temple. A man's train dragging behind, being carried behind a royal figure wearing his crown. The importance was determined by the size of his train. Isaiah says, God's train filled the whole temple. The whole temple was too small to hold him, high and exalted. And above him were the seraphs, each with six wings. Two wings, they covered their faces, and with two they covered their feet. And with two they were flying, and they were calling to one another, Holy, Holy, Holy is the Lord God Almighty, the whole earth is full of his glory. This is what Uzziah tried to touch in his pride, in his arrogance, and then he wouldn't he wouldn't repent, he wouldn't turn from his sin at the sound of their voices, the doorposts and the thresholds. Shook, and the temple was filled with smoke. I suspect that not one other person who was in the temple that day, and there were many, had any idea that the presence of God was there in such a mighty, mighty way. They were blind. They could not see They could not perceive what Isaiah was seeing. And Isaiah responds, Woe to me, I cried. This is Isaiah, the sixth chapter, the fifth verse. Woe to me, I cried. I am ruined, for I'm a man of unclean lips. I'm a man of leprous lips. I'm a man of uncircumcised lips. I'm a man of dirty, dirty lips. And I live among a people of leprous lips or unclean lips. And my eyes have seen the King, the Lord Almighty. He thinks he's going to die. And he recognizes that he should die. For he has seen the righteous one, the Almighty, the King of heaven and earth. Get this. My heart trembles. My heart trembles. The past week I've had to go back and review. All of the foolishness of my life, the decisions made that were only of flesh, the activities that should not have taken place, getting a great idea and then charging off to fulfill it, not waiting on the Lord, not trusting in the Lord, a man of unclean lips. and I have trembled before the Lord, even as Isaiah was, as I look at the foolishness and the deadness and the pride of my life. My eyes have seen the King, the Lord Almighty. Then one of the seraphs flew to me with a live coal in his hand, which he had taken with tongs from the altar. Well, what altar is being referred to? The altar of incense? No. It's the altar of burnt offerings. It is the consuming fire that was never to go out representing the place and the way of the sacrifice of our King Jesus. He took that hot coal from off the altar, and with it he touched my mouth. And he said, See, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away. Your sin is atoned for. I read this in my heart. On one side rejoices in the grace and the mercy of Jesus Christ. What's happening here is entire sanctification. What's happening here is Isaiah this godly man and and I don't know of anyone other than Jesus who is more godly than Isaiah he was one of the most profound and holy prophets of the entire scriptures he trembles before god and he sees that he's not entirely sanctified he sees Character traits. Character traits have been the most difficult issue of my life. As I have looked at my character and I've seen great lack in my character. My dad used to say to me, Ray, all you can take to heaven is your character. Your character must be holy, Raymond. My dad would say that to me as a boy, and I didn't understand. Oh, I do now. I do now. Those character traits of pride, of self-will, of judgments against others and against myself, those character traits of having to be somebody, having to be recognized, not willing to simply take the back seat and be hidden away and be nobody. Character traits. We have to deal with those. I've been dealing with those by confessing before God my unclean lips being very specific with the Lord regarding the leprosy that I still find jumping up in my heart. Not intentional actions of rebellion or sin, but just character traits. Long-established patterns of defensive thinking and acting. Coldness in my heart. not understanding the love and the mercy of God. So the angel comes with that coal off the altar of burnt offering, the sacrifice of the Lamb of God. Jesus is that Lamb of God slain from the foundation of the earth. This Lamb of God is offered on the altar of burnt offering. From that altar comes the coal and it touches his lips. And his guilt is removed and his sin is atoned for. Now I want you to see something that is of vital import. We've spoken about this many times In respect to the day of Pentecost, to the entire sanctification of a man or a woman or a child, as they give themselves utterly, unreservedly to Jesus, as they give themselves over to Jesus, and the power of the Holy Spirit comes, He comes with fire tongues of fire to utterly cleanse, to restore, to establish. John, the book of John in first chapter, I'm sorry, the first epistle of John in the last chapter, he warns us to watch out for idols. Well, what are idols? Idols are those things in our life or those people or those activities in your life to which we turn because Jesus Christ is not enough for us. So we want to sit and veg in front of some entertainment somewhere. We want to do something that will satisfy something inside of us because Jesus is not enough. A man's heart, a woman's heart, a child's heart will always turn to what they love the most. And when the heart turns to what they love the most, that thing is an idol if it is not Jesus Christ. So you can do a very quick check as I have in my own heart. What do I turn to to comfort myself? Whatever I turn to to comfort myself with is either my Lord and my Savior Jesus, or it is my idol. Even many good things can be idols. One woman I knew, her passion was to collect salt shakers. And so she had display cabinets in her living room. Everywhere in her house, there were salt shakers. She loved to talk about them. You'd go to visit her and she would insist that you come and look at her newest salt shakers that she had just purchased or found at a sale somewhere. She even gave me some salt shakers. I didn't want them. I found no interest in my heart in salt shakers. You say, how foolish. But this is what absorbed her time and attention. This was her idol. She had a hard time talking about Jesus. To my knowledge, she never won one person to the kingdom of God. And to my knowledge, She never helped the poor. Always claimed her salt shakers were so extremely valuable. They were her idols. That was the altar at which she worshipped. Oh, now some men worship at the idol of their Chevy Corvettes. I knew one man who every year bought a brand new Chevy Corvette. It was the pride of his life. He drove it to work and he drove it home and he drove it to work and he drove it home. He lived for his Corvette. It gave him a sense of power and authority when he drove it on the road. Everybody in town knew him. Oh, they'd say, there goes Dick in his Corvette. Look, he just got a new one. And it was the talk of the small town little town called Worcester, Ohio. Isaiah Woe to me! I am ruined, for I am a man of unclean lips, and I live among a people of unclean lips, and my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of glory. He knew judgment day had come. This was in the year King Uzziah died. Because God's judgment had come on King Uzziah, and now God is saying, Isaiah, don't do what King Uzziah did. Don't let the judgment come upon you of leprosy. Turn aside from this. Now I want you to note God came He sat on the throne and He was either going to judge or He was going to cleanse. I want you to know that today God is on His throne and He is prepared to cleanse or he's prepared to judge. He's prepared to cleanse and heal and restore. Or he's ready to judge. But in God's heart, he has something else that's dominating his thinking. Let me read it for you. Isaiah 6. Then I heard a voice The voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send and who will go for us? And I said, Here am I. Send, send me. And he said, Go tell this people. Did you catch it? You cannot be sent on the mission of God and have any real success in that mission. If you're still a man or woman of unclean lips, there had to be the Pentecost. There had to be the coming of the Holy Spirit. There had to be the taking of the coal off the altar and touching your lips that your guilt would be taken away. That your uncleanness would be removed. That your sin would be atoned for. Jesus wants to atone. For the sin of your heart. Will you allow him? Will you let him? I've been crying out. The Lord. Trembling in my spirit. He's told me your sins are forgiven. And I praise God for that. But now the whole cry of my heart is for the anointing of fire. Because I know without that anointing of fire I will not be able to hear the voice of God saying who will go for us? Many times in my past, I've gone because that's what I was told I was supposed to do. No one ever said to me in seminary, college, or the many meetings held with pastors through the years, no one ever said to me, go home and wait on the Lord until he tells you exactly what he wants you to do and gives you the power to do it. Never happened. So I've gone and gone and gone. I'm not going anymore. I'm doing this radio broadcast at the command of Jesus. The rest of the time I'm spending in prayer and scripture, dealing with the issues that the Lord brings to me, and pastoring a very small little house church. And by the way, you're welcome to come to that house church. I'll give you a phone number at the end of the broadcast. Do you understand? The Lord wanted someone to go for Him and speak prophetically to the people, calling them to repent. You cannot go and call to repentance until you have repented, until you become self-aware until you become conscious of your standing before God and every rebellion is laid down and every anger and bitterness is put aside and the coal of God touches your lips and your guilt is removed your guilt is taken away And your sin is atoned for. Now the message is not a pleasant message that he has sent to give. This is what he's to go and tell the people. Be ever hearing but never understanding. Be ever seeing but never perceiving. Make the heart of this people calloused, or literally, the heart of this people is calloused. Their ears are dull, they've closed their eyes, otherwise they might see with their eyes, hear with their ears, understand with their hearts, and turn and be healed. Does that ring a bell for you? Do you remember the teaching that we've been sharing out of the book of Mark? Where Mark comes, it's very interesting. Jesus quotes this passage in Mark the fourth chapter. He is saying, I'm going to share with you now the secret of the kingdom of God. And then he says, They may be ever seeing but never perceiving. Ever hearing but never understanding. This is straight out of Isaiah 6. Otherwise they might turn and be forgiven. And then he tells us about the different kinds of seed, the different kinds of soil, the different responses people have to what God is calling for. So we come to the loaves and the fishes. Shortly after this, Jesus has enabled his disciples to perform healing, casting out of demons. They return and they're tired, and so he takes them to an isolated place where they could rest but crowds see them going and follow them. And Jesus has compassion on the people because they are like sheep without a shepherd. He says, give them something to eat. They respond, it would take eight months of a man's wages. Are we to go and spend that much on bread and give it to them to eat? How many loaves do you have? They found out they said five and two. And in Mark, the sixth chapter, Jesus had all the people sit down. Jesus sends the disciples across in the boat and he himself, to avoid the crowds trying to make him king, goes up on a mountain and begins to pray. Now when evening came, The scriptures tell us the boat was in the middle and he was on the land. He saw the disciples straining at the oars because the wind was against them and it was about the fourth watch of the night just before dawn. And he went out walking on the lake. And he was about to pass them by. They saw him, however. They thought he was a ghost, and they cried out in fear. They were terrified of him. Immediately he spoke to them, and he said, Take courage, it is I, don't be afraid. Then he climbed into the boat with them, and the wind died down. They were completely amazed. Verse 52 For they had not understood about the loaves. Their hearts were hardened. Their hearts were hardened. We see here they need that touch of fire. And they will receive it on the day of Pentecost. But in the meantime, They don't understand about the loaves and the fishes. I have to tell you, I've not understood about the loaves and the fishes either. God has so graciously carried me my entire life as I review the the things of my life that God has done, His grace and His mercy and His kindness and His love. Even when I was utterly unconscious of his presence. He was protecting me. He was guarding my life. I remember. Just a little boy. Being so deathly sick. At the point of death. Sinking fast. And my mom. Knew she would never get me to the hospital the ride would be too much. So she called old Dr. Tyron. He still made house calls. He said, I'll be right there. As they lay on that bed, temperature over what it should be at the point of almost having seizures and convulsions. I said to my mother, can't Jesus make me well? She said, yes, he can. I said, I believe he will heal me. Can I pray? Dear Jesus, I'm going to die if you don't heal me. Would you heal me? A few simple words of prayer, faith of a child, my mother with tears. And immediately the glory of God came and touched me, and I was healed. Dr. Tyron showed up a little bit later. He found me at the kitchen table having some food. If you'll be honest with the Lord about your life, you will also recognize many times in your life when you should have been lost. You should have died. Or you should have lost everything. And by His grace and by His mercy, He carried you. Carried you in His arms. And yet your heart was hardened. I recognize many times when my heart has been so... so defensive. So terrified and frightened. Why is their heart so frightened by the wind and the waves? Why is their heart hardened? And the word in the Greek literally indicates a kind of a stone. Or it can be a thick skin covering, insensitive. Why did they have this kind of heart? Because they'd not understood about the loaves and the fishes. Here Jesus takes five little loaves, two little fish, and feeds 5,000 men, not counting women and children, probably a crowd, more of 10,000 people. And he feeds the whole crowd, all they can eat, and collects 12 basketfuls afterward. Do you think they need to be afraid that they're not going to have food to eat? Our Lord cares for us. Jesus loves you. But the fear rises in our hearts because our hearts don't understand the loaves and the fishes. They don't understand what Jesus has done for us. Now if you look in the scriptures in another story there is a a reference here that I want to share with you. In Matthew the 16th chapter Aware of their discussion, Jesus asked, You of little faith, why are you still talking among yourselves about having no bread? Do you still not understand? Don't you remember the five loaves and the five, for the five thousand and how many basketfuls you gathered? Verse 11, How is it you don't understand that I was not talking to you about bread but be on your guard against the yeast of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. Then they understood that he was not telling them to guard against the yeast used in the bread, but against the teachings of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. And then if you look in the book of Luke chapter 12, Meanwhile, when a crowd of many thousands had gathered so that they were trampling on one another, Jesus began to speak first to his disciples and say, Be on your guard against the yeast of the Pharisees, which is hypocrisy. So Jesus is saying the hardness of the heart, bottom line, comes out of hypocrisy. Not believing that Jesus is who he says he is. Walking in hypocrisy, where you continue to reach out to other idols, not being given entirely to Jesus Christ. And this pride of life, this arrogance of heart is what caused Uzziah to think, I can go in and be God. Their hearts were hardened. Sometimes when we pray, it seems that words will not come from our mouths. Sometimes when we pray in church, everyone is just silent. Why? Because it feels like a heavy, a heavy shroud of darkness comes upon our heart and our mind. Our hearts are hardened. And so sometimes it's almost impossible for us to pray because we're being blocked by this hardness of heart. There's only one way to get through that hardness and that is by coming and repenting and honestly asking Jesus to touch you with the coal off the altar Repentance is the answer. Well, Pastor, I don't know what I should repent for. Well, go before the Lord and ask Him what He would have you repent for. That's a great place to start, Lord. It feels like I can't pray. It feels like no words want to come from my mouth. My heart is blocked up. Where have you been a hypocrite? Where have you been refusing to forgive? Where have you been refusing to repent and humble your heart before God? This whole message centers around this desperate desire of this king who had ruled for 52 years. At this point, 42, he lived another 10 years as a leper. And he's been very successful. And now his heart is hardened with pride and arrogance. He will not be vulnerable. He will not give the Lord access to his heart. And so harsh judgment falls upon him. The leprosy on his forehead was only a symbol of the leprosy of his heart. Do you have a hard heart today? Has your heart hardened? Do you need to repent? If you'd been with the disciples, would you have been frightened by the wind and the waves? Would you have also misunderstood about the loaves and the fishes? because you say one thing, but you act in another way. My brother, my sister, God wants to be your God. But you're not going to hear Him speak. You're not going to hear Him call you until the other idols, especially pride and arrogance and hardness, until these idols are put away and I humble my heart before God, and I allow Him to touch me with the altar and say to me, Your guilt is taken away. Your sins are atoned for. When the fire of God begins to touch your life, you will then be able to speak the word of God to brothers and sisters and family, and they will respond. O Lord, I plead today for your people who are listening to this broadcast. I plead, O Lord, today for the coal off the altar, for revival. Lord, I plead today before your throne for the fire of God to come upon your people to restore to build up to take away our guilt and to atone for our sin Lord Jesus thank you I'd love to hear from you you can write to me at the National Prayer Chapel, Post Office Box 2346, Woodbridge, Virginia, 22195. Again that address, the National Prayer Chapel, Post Office Box 2346, Woodbridge, Virginia, 22195. You've been listening to Pilgrim's Progress. I'm Ray Greenley from the National Prayer Chapel. If you'd like to be a part of a Sunday worship service where we really begin to pray and deal with these issues that I've spoken of today, would you call and I'll give you directions. We meet every Sunday at 10 a.m. We're finished by 12 noon. You can call me at 703-489-1785. That's 489 1785. I hope today's broadcast has been helpful to you. I know I'm going through a, a time in my life right now that's very, very difficult. And it's not going to grow any easier until I have received the full Pentecost baptism of the Holy Spirit. Now, I've received the baptism of the Holy Spirit as a child. I was granted the assurance that my sins were forgiven. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about the Acts story. I'm talking about the coming of the fire of God. Both at Pentecost and with Cornelius. I'm talking about turning away from every idol and totally giving ourselves to Jesus Christ. God bless you, my brother, my sister. I'm so grateful you listened to the broadcast today. I'd like to hear from you. Again, it's the National Prayer Chapel, Post Office Box 2346. Woodbridge, Virginia 22195. You can also go to the webpage nationalprayerchapel.com. You can listen to this message again. God bless you my brother, my sister. I love you. I'll talk to you
1: soon. You Before the presence of his glory With great joy. With